The following message is from Pastor Lester Cruzat of Emmanuel Community Church. More information about the ministry of Emmanuel Community Church can be found at emmanuelcommunity.org. Uh, good to be with you all. Uh, Steve, good to, good to have you back. And um, yes, I will be uh, continuing off kind of our, our talk, our, our, the sermon on the poor from last, from last weekend. Um, last week we spoke about the poor, and uh, we were looking to come clean and to get genuinely honest as to um, what are some things in our hearts that may be reflected by wrong attitudes, negative postures, um, internal dialogue that may cause us to think, that, to think um, poorly of the poor, okay? or at the very least, act passively towards the poor. Now, um, in looking to our own hearts, we ask the question, why, why should I care about the poor? Um, we know it's the right thing to do. Uh, our society knows that lending a helping hand to the poor is a moral-filled thing to do. But is there a reason that transcends even our own thinking or good feelings that, about caring about the poor? We went through a passage after passage of what God says about the poor. Isaiah 58, God's own rebuke towards his people for their religiosity and neglect for the poor amongst them. Verse 6, it is not this feast that I choose to lose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Going to the New Testament, 1 John three sixteen to 18. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And in Jesus' own proclamation of his Messiahship, Luke 4, 18-19, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. These are just a few of the more than 2,000 verses throughout the Bible talking about the poor. Why? It's because God knew that we would forget about this demographic. Maybe. But more so, I believe the Lord is sharing his heart for the poor, his passion for the poor. This talks about more of God's personal and passionate heart for the poor, and that's why we should care. God's love, God loves the poor. And so should we because his concerns are our concerns. As a disciple of Christ, I'm pursuing and becoming more like him in cooperation with the power of the Holy Spirit within me that lives in me. Along with the convicting power of the word, I must learn and become his heart of love for those in need if I am to move forward in my Christian journey. I don't say that we need to have the heart of God for the poor as if I got it. 
I'm not coming here to proclaim my own self-righteousness for sure. God knows how far I fall away from his own heart for the poor. But I do say this as one who sees evidence in the word of God and also one who has witnessed his work through our very ministry, the food pantry ministry, as to how he loves the poor and his passion for the poor over and over again. And I can humbly proclaim as a witness to God, as a witness that God loves the poor and he wants us to love the same. So last week we were looking at the heart for the poor. Uh, today we'll be looking at the hands for the poor, maybe the more, more practical way of, of being able to do that. And then later I'll be, after that, I'll be kind of talking about the food pantry ministry in more depth. So let's go. Hands for the poor. So seeing God's heart for the poor, what does having hands for the poor look like? What, what does it look like? So what does it mean to minister to them? How do we express this heart for the poor? Uh, let me ask this first question. Okay, let me ask this question first. Um, is it even possible? Right? Can, can we really achieve a goal of what some of the Old Testament laws were going after? Right? The goal. And that goal was in Deuteronomy 15.4, there should be no poor among you, okay? There should be no poor among you. To destroy poverty amongst them was one of God's ultimate goals in his laws to his people. Can this goal be, can this goal be reached? Can it be reached? Okay. And uh, unfortunately, it's pretty discouraging, right? It can look pretty discouraging. Um, because, um, you know, the Bible, the Bible speaks of this amazing, wonderful host. And this host, this gracious host, puts on this lavish banquet, right? This banquet has so much abundance, so much food. And there's no fear of having your needs met because the host takes care of it. That's a good host, right? That takes care of all of your needs so that what? You can just enjoy one another and enjoy that time. You can just freely enjoy yourself and with one another. This is what a good host wants, just, just pure enjoyment in the present time with his guests. This language, this lavish banquet is creation itself, with, with, where every resource is given in full, an expression of God's generous love to his guests, which is us. As beautiful as a scene as this is, and this is something that we long for, this is something that we, we just envision and dream of, right? it's not how we experience the world today, is it? No. We live in a world of what? Scarcity, hardship, and struggle. What happened during the fall and rebellion away from the great host was more than anything a broken relationship from God. And this broken relationship from God led to what? A distrust. A distrust that God, this host, this generous host can actually provide abundantly. It's worth noting that it's not because of a lack of resources that this led to scarcity amongst creation during the fall. The resources were always there. They were always the same. What changed then? What changed was the belief, right? The belief that God was, can be trusted. It turned into, no, God cannot be trusted, right? And, and that he truly cannot provide enough. So we must provide, right? We must gather. We must hoard in order to attain the assurance that we are looking for. Is, is there really enough? Is God, you know, that kind of host, a generous and giving one, or should I take matters into my own hands? and create my own abundance. This, this points to a rooted problem within us that withholds our own hands from helping the poor. Our lack of trust that God is not enough, that he 
to believe that he's actually generous. That, that true reality, the true reality actually is to each his own. I must take when it's available. There isn't enough, of, enough for me and all, and all that has to go around. And this lie of scarcity justifies the economy of me and mine over anyone else, which leads to jealousy, anger, and the survival of the fittest, where it creates this illusion of the world that there is truly not enough and out of and outcomes multiple levels of poverty. In every dimension of what it means to be human and alive in this world today, here lies the source of our resistant and numbed up hearts towards the poor, our core, the core of our lack of generosity is this. I don't believe from the pits of my inmost being that God is that generous host that provides everything that I need. No, he cannot be trusted. It is not, this is, this is discouraging, right? This is, this is tough. This can be despairing right? when, we, when we hear this, this, this condition of our hearts. But what's amazing is that God didn't give up. God didn't give up. He, he was persistent, wasn't he? he? He didn't want to give up that dream of hosting the party that he always wanted to give his guests. He persists and gives the greatest gift of all. He gives his people within the lies of scarcity. He gives himself through his son, Jesus Christ. The host himself joins the world of steeped in the lie of scarcity with the heart and eyes of the Father, Jesus. And with infinite vision, Jesus sees that there is enough and that there is a generous host that can be trusted. Jesus sees that everything that is needed is there and in overflowing quantities. This is what leads him to live sacrificially, sacrificially and generously towards others, even towards his enemies. Jesus calls on his followers to trust in the great host's abundance. One example of that is Matthew 6, 25, 34. Very familiar verses, right? Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, sow, nor reap, nor gather into the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to this lifespan? And why, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow, is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Jesus is telling his followers to live in a different dimension, in a different timeline, right? a, a different story, a story that's built on God's abundant goodness, love, and generosity. And breaking through the very lie of scarcity, God expresses his ultimate generosity by what? The death of his own son. God's climactic expression of God's generous love for us. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich.
because of Christ, because of Christ, now comes his spirit that lives within us and brings us into the presence of the generous host. We come into this joy-filled, every-need-met fiesta called the kingdom of God. And in his presence, we learn to trust and experience that he is a God of abundance. And in turn, become his image bearers of generosity in a world that is drowning in loneliness, scarcity, and struggle. When we believe there is enough, when we truly believe there is enough and that there is a God that is enough, then we look for opportunities to show this generosity everywhere that we go. Is undoing poverty in our world possible? Yes. In Christ, it is possible. We see this in Scripture. Luke, in Acts 4.34, in his description of the New Testament church, he writes, there were not a needy person among them. There were not a needy person amongst us. Scholars think that Luke is intentionally using this language of Deuteronomy 15.4 where God told Israel, there should be no poor among you. Luke is saying, Luke could have been showing that, that even though Israel has failed, their obedience from the heart to Yahweh, through God's restored people today in Christ, embodying King Jesus, and now there can be glimpses of the coming kingdom where there is no poor among us. Did this really happen? History shows us this happened. The early church's backdrop was the Roman Empire. Cities within the empire were characterized by, by, by contaminated water, high population densities, open sewers, filthy streets, stench, rampant crimes, frequent illnesses and plagues, and on and on and on. And instead of fleeing these urban cesspools, the early church actually went to them. The church found its place there. Sociologist Rodney Stark explains the early church's impact in these darkest of places. He says this, Christianity, Christianity revitalized life in Greco-Roman cities by providing new norms and new kinds of social relationships able to cope with many urgent urban problems to cities filled with the homeless and impoverished. Christianity offered charity as well as hope to cities filled with newcomers and strangers. Christianity offered an immediate basis for attachments to cities filled with orphans and widows. Christianity provided a new and expanded sense of family. To cities torn by violence and ethnic strife, Christianity offered a new basis for social solidarity. And to cities faced with epi epidemics, fires, and earthquakes, Christianity offered effective nursing services. Look, we see, we see that not only in Luke, but throughout history, we see God's people bring powerful, spirit-filled effort and faithful obedience to his word to help the least of us. Is it possible for us today? Yes. Yes, because in the powerful name of Christ, we can see a push forward of the kingdom of God through the ministry and restoration of the poor amongst us by the love and generosity of Christ who lives in us. By what? By the sharing of our resources. I'll say it again. I'll be saying that word a lot, resources. Okay? By the sharing of our resources. Resources. 
One way we can define the poor, you might be asking, well, how, do, how are you defining the poor here? Is it just monetary, is this a monetary value thing? Is this, is this the standard in which we're distinguishing from rich to poor to middle class and all that? One way we can define the poor is this. The extent to which an individual does without resources. I'll say it again. The poor is the extent to which an individual does without resources. If you have money to purchase goods and services, then you have, you have financial resources. If you have the ability to process information and use it in daily living, you can read, you can write, you can compute and be self-sufficient because of those skills, you have mental resources. If you have vocabulary and language abilities where you can negotiate the environments of community, work, and school, then you have what? You have a resource in language. If you have access to power and social structures, you have social resources. If you have health, you have ways in which you can treat that health so it doesn't interfere with your job or schooling, then you have health resources. And then finally, if you have someone that can help you when help is needed, who listens to you when you're down, who helps you when you can't find childcare, then you have relationship resources. Money, skills, language, access to power and social structures, health, relationships, justice, these are all resources that the impoverished doesn't simply have access to or have. When you encounter the poor, it's more than just a lack of money. It's a lack of all these various resources in one degree or another. It's different for every person. Some more than others, but the more resources one has, the greater stability. Poverty is a multidimensional, uh, a multidimensional consequence of the fall. Steve Corbett and Brian Fickert, in, this, in their book, When Helping Hurts, says this, For the poor, there is also a loss of meaning, purpose, and hope that plays a major role in the poverty in North America. The problem goes well beyond the material dimension, so the solutions must go beyond the material as well. There is not only a lack of material and monetary sufficiency, but there is an underlying disease of self-deficiency. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. If it's the sharing of our resources, then it's not about just us giving our money or goods. Ministry to the poor is what? It's, a, it's, more of a, it's more of a holistic endeavor. Right? Because the brokenness of our world, the sin within us, the lies that we've followed for, inflicted upon us, it's holistic. It, it, it invades every part of our being. Through the generous heart of God, by his generous giving hand that never ceases, we can help the poor with hands that have been equipped by God and equipped with an abundance and overflowing river of what? Key word again, resources. We have an overflow of resources. The resources of time and money, intention and attention, skill and relationships can be freely given. And it is through these hands, generous hands, that poverty may be wiped out amongst us. One of the most important ways we can experience the abundance of God's new creation is sharing with others because that shows who God is. The generous host. So let me ask all of us, what are your resources? What do you think the Lord may be asking you to give from the resources he has provided to you? Particularly to those who lack resources or lack access to them. What can you give? What can you give? 
because we have been given much. If we believe the origin of poverty is from a lack of knowledge, then we will just simply just try to help them through education. If we believe poverty is sourced from oppression from powerful people only, then we will only serve them through social justice. If we believe that poverty is only from lack, a lack of material and financial resources, we will just give material resources back, won't we? But if we believe that resources have been misallocated because of the fall, that there's not enough that God can give and that he can't be trusted, and that the resources we have been given have rightfully, from a rightful God, have been given to us by grace, given to us by God himself and his generosity living in us and through us, then we can give our resources, then we can give ourselves. We are, we are people called to the reality that we are living in full abundance of God. We are people called to that reality. With every effort, with every resource given, the kingdom of God is being built towards Deuteronomy 15.4. There should be no poor among you. 